0: You're listening to The Gap Podcast with your host, me, Morgan McGill. As we talk God and politics, my prayer is that you're inspired and encouraged to be a part of filling the God-sized gap in the political sphere. Enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to The Gap. I'm your host, Morgan McGill, and we're officially in 2024. It is a presidential election cycle, which is kind of crazy, but also very exciting, and uh, before we start this podcast, before we start launching out and doing weekly episodes, I wanted to take a second to introduce myself. And for those of you who don't know me, and to lay, lay the foundation for the podcast, because we've released 10 episodes. So if you haven't heard those yet, highly recommend you do before moving forward into the next episodes as we start launching them weekly but I want to just kind of tell my story, how I got here, why I started this podcast, and my heart behind it. So for those of you who don't know, my name is Morgan McGill, but my maiden name is actually Murtaugh, and I started in politics when I was 15 years old, and it's kind of crazy how it happened. It was the 2008 presidential election cycle, And I remember my mom, she had me paint a Catholics for McCain poster to hold outside the church. So I grew up Catholic outside the church where I went to school my whole life. And I knew like everybody there. So we make this sign and we hold it outside the church. It was like the week before the election. And teachers that I'd known my whole life start yelling at me. And one of them even called the cops on me. And it's like, you've known me since I was pretty much in diapers. And you're calling the cops and yelling at me and my mom. And it was just kind of one of those moments in my life. It was like a pivotal moment. I was honestly taken aback that people who really knew who I was and knew me would say these things and do these things. And that was like my my moment where I was like, I am very curious as to what's going on here. And then I remember not that long after Barack Obama was elected president and there was the very first Tea Party rally. So this was about like, I don't know, a few months later. And my parents wanted to take us because this was like the big thing. like. Obama was talking about raising all of our taxes and doing all these things, and so there was a giant group of freedom fighters who rallied together uh, in Washington, D.C., right outside the White House. It was super peaceful. We left because it started to rain, and we went back to the hotel that we were staying at, and I remember my parents putting on MSNBC or CNN, one of the two, and I was like, "What are you doing? We watch Fox News. <laughs> like, this is this is weird to me. Why why are you changing to MSNBC and CNN like confused?" My parents were like, "Well, we have to know what they're saying. Like, we ha- we want to know what the other side is saying, too. So, we we want to listen." And I remember the commentator saying that she feared for her life. And 16-year-old me getting up at the TV and yelling, like, she is lying. We were there. How can she get away with this? How can they get away with this? How can they say the protest is, like, violent and she fears for her life? Like, I remember I was standing next to a four-year-old who had a really cute sign that said, stay out of my piggy bank. Like, that is not violent. Like, it was was very much uh, another one of those moments where I realized, wow, what people are hearing on the other side is patently false. I was there and that was the the next moment for me by the way at this time in high school just a fun fact I got a D in speech because I got so scared talking in front of people like I would clam up now I live for it I love it so much it's like so fun for me but it was that was actually not a skill set that I had right away so if I want to encourage you if you feel like you have something to say but you have a really hard time saying it then just practice just keep going just keep doing it and sooner or later you will be like you will be able to do it I mean I again got a d in speech okay really bad that happened so I'm like in in high school Um, graduate high school, don't know exactly what I want to do. So I go to community college and uh, I didn't want to waste money going to a school that wasn't going to serve me because at the end of the day, you're paying to go to school and the school that you choose should serve your purpose if you go to school. I mean, as we've seen today, you don't really need to. Anyways, I digress. I went to community college for the first three years out of high school and in that time it was the 2012 election cycle and I remember starting a anonymous Twitter account called Republican Girl Problems and I also remember my ex boyfriend at the time telling me that there's so many anonymous Twitters on out there like you're never gonna make anything of yourself and me when someone tells me I can't I look at it as challenge accepted (laughs) so when you tell me no and I really want something then it just kind of drives me more I spent a lot of time like learning how hashtags work learning how the algorithm worked and at that time when you posted it was the most recent post in your feed it wasn't like like now the algorithms kind of bury things but at that time it was It was all in chronological order based on who you follow and what was posted most recently. And so I learned like what time people were on and how to and like retweet when to retweet your own tweets and all this stuff. And I remember growing from like zero to over 10,000 followers in like two months. And I was doing political satire. So I was kind of doing a commentary on the irony of the left and what was going on what they were saying and I had a lot of fun with it and granted I was a teenager at the time still I was 19 and I had so much fun with it and then I started making videos and then I kind of started selling merch and and designing merch because political merch was ugly at the time and I wanted people to like be able to represent I was like Obama has really cool merch why don't why doesn't Romney why don't people on the right have cool merch too so I started making merch and it kind of just evolved into this whole thing and I was in way over my head I was 19 at the time so I started bringing in people and created a website and I wanted like a team so I created a team there were there were like 10 of us and shout out to my OG RGP peeps but We created a website and a blog and it just kind of evolved into this thing and it was amazing uh but then Trump ran for office and I honestly can tell you right now did not like him and the first time around did not vote for him okay sorry I was Carly Fiorina girl (laughs) and then when he made it past the prime I'm gonna rewind a little bit but when made it past the primary, Repub Girl Probs kind of dissolved on its own. It was a hard time, but rewind uh, out of college. So I went to community college first, and then I decided, wow, I have a knack for this. This is like in the middle, in the midst of the Repub Girl Probs phase. I was like, wow, I really have a knack for this. I should go to Washington, D.C. So i applied to every college within like a 10-15 mile radius of the white house like i was like okay i need to be in dc i need to be in the center of it all this is where i am being called but i didn't get in i didn't get into the one school that i really wanted to go to but that was honestly god god's hand was on it because georgetown which i didn't know at the time was actually really far and hard to get to from capitol hill the george washington university which is where i ended up going was my my dorm room was seven blocks from the white house i i loved those three years in dc they were fantastic i learned so much but i got um i kind of got burnt out like i didn't have they didn't have the holy spirit I didn't have Jesus and it's really dark. The political space is is really like it's a soul sucking place. And so I was getting really depressed, suicidal. It was it was really bad. I after college got a job offer. To be on the digital team for Carly Fiorina's presidential campaign, and I was like, yes, this is amazing. So I did two years at GW, and then I and then I did Carly's campaign, and again, really depressed at the time, but I loved every minute of it. And in taking that job, I actually was kind of forced to set aside Repub Girl props for a little little bit because, as someone who was working on a presidential campaign, I couldn't be doing that. That was just a conflict of interest, and also could make Carly looked really bad. So I trusted the team and walked away. But I got that job because her deputy campaign manager came and spoke in one of my classes at GW. I met her and then I ended up getting the job on the digital team naturally through that. And that's why you show up to class. And that's why you talk to people. And you're always networking because you never know who's going to show up. And you never know who God's going to put into your path. Because I was planning on going right back home to San Diego. And she just changed the tra- trajectory and gave me campaign experience that you don't really, like, it's it's really rare to get that close into a presidential election cycle right out of college. The fact that I did was seriously god and then after carly dropped out of the race and donald trump became the nominee i bowed out of politics i was done i was like this is it for me i can't with my party i can't i i again hated donald trump um have a lot of respect for him now but it it took time it yeah so I left DC, came back to San Diego. I was also really depressed. So there was just a lot of emotions going on. And I decided I was gonna quit politics altogether. I was done. And I got a job working as like a digital media manager for a startup. And I did that for a few months and then I was bored out of my mind. I seriously was like, this is and then I started doing other things politically on the side. I was like, Oh gosh, like I have the itch. Like, the, like, I it's like one of those, like, you just can't stop scratching it. And that was me with politics. I just couldn't stop. So, I remember my friend Liz Wheeler, uh, she texted me and invited me to lunch. She had her own show at One America News, and her producer was leaving, one of her, her booking producer was leaving, and it was, like, in the matter of, like, two weeks, I... Started working at One America News as a booking producer, but I I also had the itch to be in front of the camera, and not just behind it. And my the owners of One America News did not want to give me a chance because I had never read off a teleprompter. And I said again, challenge accepted. And I stayed late after work every day for like a few weeks and had a dir- one of the directors, um, I would write my own scripts and just do a whole bunch of different videos and read them. And I kept sending them to the owner until he gave me a chance. And then after like, again, a couple of weeks, I got a chance to be a news anchor. So I was a news anchor for a little while at One American News and I got really bored because I was just reading scripts that other people had written. And I wanted to create. I wanted to I wanted to be the one writing the script. So I went back to the, the talk show side and I became a political commentator. I had I gave up like five hours a day of airtime for five minutes, but those five minutes I was really proud of because I was able to write it. The host of the show that I was producing on, he had like a a prior engagement and he or it was like an emergency engagement and he had to leave. And it was two hours before film time. And he was luckily I had hair and makeup done because I had a segment. And he was like, are you good? Like, I need you to host the show today. And I was like, all right, let's do this. So I did that uh, for a season. I was having a time of my life in this role. Okay. I did not want to leave it, but I was at my best friend's house, Alex. Shout out to Alex. Love you so much. She and I were hanging out and watching Hallmark movies. Uh, Don't judge us. Christmas movies are the best all year round. So we were watching Hallmark movies and after having almost an entire bottle of wine, I decided, I was like, oh wow, it's almost election season. I wonder who's running against Susan Davis. And at the time, Susan Davis was like uh, an incumbent in the in Congress in our area, like in my district. it was it was really hard for anyone to get her out of the seat because, one, she was really like entrenched in in the seat, but also, her team out here was fantastic so anytime anyone needed anything like she did a great job but she was she didn't really do anything like the entire 20 years she was in congress she passed she wrote and passed one bill and that was to rename a post office and it's like she kind of was just there but also voting democrat on everything and i saw who was throwing their hand in the ring and i was like oh my gosh, we're running the same people over and over and over again. Why? Like you're running the same type of candidate over and over again, and you're expecting different results. And that is the definition of insanity. And at the time I had name ID. I had a lot of energy. I was 25. So I decided to run for Congress and my team fell together like within a week. I had an entire team. And and that was also the year AOC ran. I was the youngest, by the way. I was the youngest candidate at the time. I had interned on Capitol Hill. I had a, I had been the booking producer at One American News. So at this point I had a lot of connections and I had endorsements from like Congressman Matt Gates and a um, couple like a vice admiral and like all these different big endorsements because I had built relationship with people. And here comes this twenty-five-year-old who has members of Congress endorsing her. And I remember going into the the Republican Party meeting to get their endorsement. I was the very last one to speak. It was midnight. Um, I walk in like a ball of energy because I could tell all these these uh, central committee people were like half asleep. I. Basically told them like the definition of insanity is repeating the same thing over and over again and expecting different results, and why not take the chance on the twenty-five-year-old political commentator? So I walk into this meeting for the Republican Party endorsement, and I already have the endorsement of several congressmen and and like big leaders, and I, I sealed it. And I just remember running that in that race, and the candidates that I had. Beat for the endorsement were really upset and said very harsh things. And I just remember keeping my head up. It's like you know what, I have the support of the people who matter, and I'm just gonna keep my head up and I'm gonna keep moving forward. And I'm not going to engage in this petty behavior. And I didn't. And I think that won a lot of people over because I made it by the primary. I made it through the primaries by the skin of my teeth. And it was. A really really fun experience after the primaries I remember um, trying to get Susan Davis to to debate me and she refused to debate she also hadn't debated anyone in her 20 years of Congress so our team pulled a fast one on her we sent her a a letter via certified mail to her house and she had to sign for it and we requested a debate and we gave her a certain amount of time to respond and she didn't respond so we released a press release and then all of a sudden these same like San Diego local papers were like why is this 75 year old scared to debate a 25 year old and that's what we wanted So we got her to debate and that was really fun because I, again, had nothing to lose and a lot to gain. I learned a lot, but like I said before, I didn't have Jesus, I didn't have the Holy Spirit, I didn't have a foundation. So when the campaign ended and I didn't win in November, my entire identity was wrapped in what I was doing. I, like everything in me kind of just crumbled I didn't I I went into a really deep depression. I started doing drugs. I started partying. I started drinking a lot. I was just trying to numb the pain of that loss. I just didn't know how to cope and I was hanging out with people that I shouldn't have been hanging out with. It was a really 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 deep dark time where I hit a rock bottom and I remember being so out of it at a party that i i heard the audible voice of god it scared me saying what are you doing these are not your friends i have called you to so much more than this and it like woke me up i was like oh my gosh what was that and i ended up accepting someone's invitation to church finally they had been inviting me for a while, because they had befriended me when I was running for Congress and saw me around. and finally, I accepted the invitation to go to church. And my heart, like I felt the Holy Spirit. and everything that I had been seeking just, wow, instant. To backtrack a little bit, before I got to that point, I like when I lost my election, and I started going into this spiral this deep spiral. It was about 7 months before I actually walked into church. It was like a a lot that had happened. The enemy was trying to take me out. It was again my all my identity was wrapped up in what I was doing and then all the doors that were open to me just shut. And then I my friend a month later, my friend Bree Payton was visiting and she was filling in for our friend Liz Wheeler on her talk show at One America News. And she actually gave me this this that Christmas and I wanted to wear it to honor her today. She was staying over and she didn't feel well. And then in the morning, her alarm was going off. And she wouldn't turn it off. And I remember being really annoyed at the time. And... I was like, why are you not turning off your alarm? Turn it off. So I go into her room to kind of like, hey, Brie, why aren't you turning off your alarm? And she wasn't responding. And this was again a month after the election. And then my friend is in my house and not responding. And I can't wake her up. And I called 911 and my heart, like, it was. I had to call her parents. I had to call her boyfriend who was going to propose to her. I had to call these people like that I'd never met before in my life and tell them you're the like the person you love, your daughter, your girlfriend, your best friend is in the hospital and I don't know what's going to happen. Like I found her comatose and it was a really really hard week for me um, I was trying I was trying to keep it together for them and like help facilitate um, everything that was going on that I didn't really process it all I was really numb her parents had such peace and a joy that I couldn't understand like their daughter was dying and they still had so much peace and they had Jesus they had the Holy Spirit they had a confidence and a joy and a hope that I couldn't understand because I didn't have that and that really I think opened up my heart to the idea of finding the Lord like God worked it together for good it was a really tragic thing that God worked together. It was the catalyst that cracked my heart open to receiving Him. I deactivated all my social media and I was like, okay, I'm not gonna focus on anything but God for right now. And I'm going to build a relationship with God. And then I remembered COVID happening and that was like six months later and I reactivated everything. And then I felt like I was getting sucked back in to where I was like the dark place that I was before I had known Jesus. And I was very confused. I was like, I I remember taking it to God, like, God, what is happening? I am rooted in you. I know your word. I don't understand why I can't be in the political space right now when one I know it's my calling I know I'm supposed to be in this space but two like like I I I can't be on my social media without feeling like I'm being sucked into this dark vortex and I just felt like God was saying not yet and I need you to delete it all and I will rebuild your platform when the time comes And I did it and it was like a instantly like a huge weight lifted off me I remember feeling so much peace. I was like, oh, this is this is how it's supposed to feel and then Fast forward to now I was asked to be a campaign manager to for Amy Riker and then I started my own consulting firm and I just felt like God was putting the pieces back together and reigniting that fire in me and now I am doing this podcast and my heart behind this is to get Christians rooted in God first and then also engaged in the political sphere because the political sphere almost took me out when I didn't have God and the political sphere needs God now more than ever and it needs us now more than ever so yeah thank you for listening to my story I, it's kind of a crazy one I am really happy that this has all worked out to how it is because I have so much peace and joy and I just know that you're gonna love these interviews with these people as we go through this year I love them I'm inspired by them So my heart behind these interviews and behind this podcast is that you'll be inspired to get active in the political sphere and to make a difference and to fill the God-sized gap in the sphere. So we'll see you every Tuesday until Election Day. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to share it and make sure you subscribe to our channel so you don't miss an episode. Now go out in the world and make disciples. We'll catch you in the next one.